Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Gargoyle Podcast, where we take movies seriously, just not ourselves. I'm Nathan, a.k.a. the Gargoyle. And I'm Eric, a.k.a. the Chimerican. And joining us today are two very, very special guests, Josh Lobo and Scott Poitras. Say hello, guys. Hello, guys. Hello, guys. <laughs> Every single... You know what? I don't even get mad when people do that. Every time? Yeah. All right. We'll that was always it. my joke, too. Start over. We'll do something different. <laughs> <laughs> hello, and... Uh, no. Um... So, so yeah, um, Josh Lobo, the writer and director of I Trapped the Devil, and Scott Poitras, the guy who trapped the devil. I got Allegedly. It. You know, yeah. Is, is the devil there? I, I don't know. I have so many questions about that, about whether or not you did actually trap the devil. Um, but yes, since the people who are eventually going to be listening to this can't see your beautiful faces, let them know which one of you is which, so they can at least associate voices. Uh, I'm the younger, handsomer uh, sounding white man. <laughs> hey, hey, out of the gate. All right, now I'm, I'm Scott Poitras and I'll do a British accent so you can tell me different. <laughs> like, like, I, like I said, handsomer. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be the Brit. <laughs> Please keep like, that going the entire time. You sound like Neil Marshall. <laughs> I, try, I, try, I like to do like, more like Rick Gervais. <laughs> I think that we should just we should just have you pretend like you're Neil Marshall, and we can ask you questions about like The Descent and Hellboy. Like, and <laughs> damn it, Lion! You ruined my movie. I'm fucking livid. <laughs> <laughs> no, just have him be uh, Neil Marshall doing imp- uh, an impersonation of uh, Ricky Gervais. <laughs> what well, the thing is, man, like. I, I like the Hellboy remake. Like I bought I bought on 4K Blu-ray um, <laughs> yesterday. So I'm like, yeah, television. What? No, you went to see it in the theater and smell a vision. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, we, I, it's I, funny. We talked about this because you went and we you went and saw it like while we were at the Chattanooga Film Festival, yeah. right? Yeah, I, I I left the film festival to go like <laughs> to go like see a movie at, like a multiplex. <laughs> <laughs> And I came, I came back and I was like really jazzed about it. And I was like really excited because I really liked it. And like people were like, what did you see? I was like, I just went to the fucking AMC to see Hellboy. <laughs> Don't tell that. Chris. <laughs> inspired me to go see it that night. But instead we went to a haunted boat. It was awesome. I got drunk on that boat. Yes, you did. <laughs> I, I, I basically took like a cue from David Lawson. and I was like, that guy's going to be drunk the whole time. Like me too. And I just spent like the whole week. I gained like 15 pounds. <laughs> 15 I got pounds back. of whiskey is a lot of whiskey I mean it wasn't just whiskey it was like everything it's great. That's, that's the one great thing about Chattanooga though there's there's just so many great places to go eat and so much great fattening food all over the place especially down down there um, uh, by Coolidge Park where we were at yeah it's so great yeah. I went to this like amazing restaurant that was basically it was like a midsummer pop up <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that's horrifying. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like a, it's like a restaurant that's like, I I swear to God, it could have been like a tie-in promotional for Midsummer. It's like all these people in like dresses and I I don't know, but they had like a delicious barbecue sandwich. My favorite place was the Greek place you and I went, Josh, and they no menus, no nothing. You you sit down and they they start bringing you what you're going to eat. Yeah, <laughs> they don't even have like prices at the end. They just like sort of decide. I still don't know what we paid because you picked up the check. Yeah, I, I went. I went up, and the guy just looked at me, and he's like, eh, 
35 bucks. I was like, all right, whatever. cool. <laughs> Maybe he was just propositioning you like, uh, 35 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like we're, we're like trying to leave. So we have to get to a screening and he's like, you didn't have dessert yet. And I was like, okay. And, and I was like, but we, we got to go. And he just looks at me. He's like, I'll box it up for you. <laughs> like he wasn't gonna take no for an answer. It's like you will eat dessert. Where was that? Because uh, I, I you, that sounds amazing. Like I, a, like two or three blocks away from where you walk up the hill to that main stretch mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. center or the or the screening center. Mm-hmm. It's literally like one of the first or second doors on the left. Huh. Oh, okay. I think yeah. I'm sure we could find that. Uh, I love that idea though because like every single night is a struggle that's like okay what do we want for dinner and it's like uh, it's uh, we can never figure it out so I would love to go to a restaurant where they're just like here food eat <laughs> do, do you guys know what I'm talking about when I say that like there's like a like a restaurant owned by like a cult <laughs> are you talking about Aretha Frankenstein's I don't know are they like wearing is it like basically like a hippie commune they're like all wearing dresses everywhere in Chattanooga is like a hippie commune I remember you talking about that. And don't they grow their own food? Vegetables? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like it's like a green living place, and everyone looks like a like from Midsummer. I don't know what this is, but I want to go there now. I need to discover this. Yeah, I guess one of your party will stay there forever after the meal. I have. <laughs> you, you have to sacrifice one person in your party. Yeah. Where do you think they get the meal for the uh, the next party? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love, this. I love, I love that this is what we're talking about. <laughs> A20, A24 provided the movie. <laughs> like, like, please just see the movie. Rather than A1, that's uh, A24. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so not what we're talking about, but we are talking. It's related. Um, yeah, so we met uh, Josh, at least, at the Chat Film Fest, which is what <laughs> spawned all of this food conversation. Uh, and Scott, you were there to yes or no not the whole time i was there for like two nights i believe i wish i could have been there longer i couldn't be there for the opening night but i did see a handful of films and uh i experienced what was definitely one of my favorite festivals that i've ever been to i've been to i've been a lot and i I loved it there so welcoming super cool i love mr dorch both of them although i only met junior um it's fantastic loved it yeah, we, we absolutely adore the Chat Film Fest, and any time that we have a, an opportunity to sing their praises, we do. Um, yeah, and like the that welcoming atmosphere is something that we've talked about plenty. Like even um, on the episode that we did reviewing "I Trap the Devil," like a lot of what we talked about was how we met Josh there, and it was just like, "Oh, hey, have you met Josh?" It's like, "What? Hi, yeah, <laughs> we we want to see your movie. We're not that weird. Hi." <laughs> And yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, man, that's exactly yeah. how it was. <laughs> she for me, at least. word for word. It's definitely probably one of the one of the best film festivals I've been to, as far as like like a social aspect. Like I just like immediately felt like I was friends with everybody, and I could go anywhere, and there was always somebody to talk to. And I, I definitely like I don't know. There's a lot of them that aren't like that. You know, unless you're unless you're an A lister, they just like don't really want to have anything to do with you. Mm. And it was it was cool to bring like you know for our, our my first film there and to have it play and just to like meet people that were just down to you know watch it. Yeah, and Lovett join us was fantastic. Sorry, say that again. It cut out. Having Ben Lovett join us was fantastic. I don't know if you guys met him. He did our score. Um, he's just killing it right now. He's got God, it's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely a really talented dude. 
Yeah, there were so many people there that we wanted to meet, but we just didn't have a chance to. And also, you know, like just <clears throat> our massive introvertedness, just like, hey, we want to talk to that person over there. Maybe they'll come to us. Exact <laughs> <laughs> same thing. Well, it's weird because it was my first, well, I mean, like my first like bigger film festival experience where we were like really interviewing a lot of people. I didn't get a chance to do that with the other film festival that we attended last you year. You mean the Knoxville Horror, the film, Knoxville festival? Horror film Festival? You mean, you mean one of our sponsors that yes. you refer to as that other film festival? Yes. I'm okay. We love anyway, you, William. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> um, so it was. It was very. It was. It was odd because in my mind, it just was like, oh, like these people made the films. You can't just randomly walk up to them and start talking to them. Like you have to wait until it's time for your interview or whatever that's set up through this person or whatever so yeah it was really cool that it was just like very casual and laid back and you could just walk up to somebody and strike up a conversation with them and it's totally normal like i love that that about the film fest yeah and testament to the festival itself and the way it's run having that communal center where mm-hmm. everything at the headquarters where everything is based out of all the activities happen everybody just you're there together so what else are you going to do but grab whiskey and just meet your neighbor? And it was really cool. I missed so many fantastic people. I mean, yeah, yeah there's, there's so many film festivals like Sundance and things where the, where the theaters are are so spread out. The basically the people that you meet uh, you meet like in line, which is fun. Which is funny. I'm actually I'm actually working on a movie right now, and I'm I the one of the producers I, I brought on I met in line to see Mandy at Sundance. <laughs> And we were in line for like four hours together and just like hit it off. Mm-hmm. And so awesome. like two like two hour two years later, you know, we're like working together, which is cool. And like that's how film fest should work. But I think things like Chattanooga and Fantastic Fest and where there's this sort of like central hub, really, um, it re- it really kind of like forces everyone to like mingle. Yeah, and just the fact that Chris and the rest of his crew genuinely love uh, film and cinema, like. It, I've not been to nearly as many film fests as I want to go to, but I get the feeling from the way that, um, you know, people like yourself that do go and premiere their films at other film fests, uh, the way that you talk about it, it almost sounds like other film fests are more about, more about just like the movie or more about like, okay, we need to promote this film rather than we need to just enjoy uh, cinema and enjoy this experience and share this thing with people that we love. And I I just love that atmosphere at Chat Film Fest. Um, Yeah, 100%. So speaking of sharing some of that experience, what's the reception to I Trapped the Devil? Like, what what has that been? Because it's been out for three months now. Uh, Yeah. 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 Uh, it, it's sort of been all over the place. Um, I, I guess, it, I mean, it really sort of depends on who you talk to. Um, like, like re- review-wise, it's it, it's been very solid. You know, it's it's actually only gone up on Rotten Tomatoes mm-hmm. as of late. Um, I think it's like at like 75 or something like that. Nice. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't put like a ton of stock into Rotten Tomatoes. But like, um, just from the average viewer i mean it, it's it, it's definitely a movie i think you just either you love it or you hate it honestly um there doesn't really you love it, or you don't love it as much as the next person <laughs> yeah 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 you love it or you're wrong i'm really <laughs> to see what the blu-ray response is going to be because i i don't know i'm spoiled and i live in this bubble i mean i live in atlanta and there's some great theaters and i love going to certain things but i do a lot of vod and i love it mm-hmm. so yeah. I, I forget that so many people either don't do it or don't have access to it or just literally just don't do it. 
I've got a kick-ass like system at home. So I'm like, I I spoil myself doing VOD at home, but a lot right. of people don't. So they will go to the theater, don't uh, don't have access to it, or, or don't even know about it until a Blu-ray drops, and they'll just go snag new Blu-rays, not even knowing what they are. So I'm 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 curious to hear like a whole new audience find and discover it. Yeah, yeah. It's same with like like I said earlier. It's it's going to be on Hulu on Hulu for sure. Yeah, this, this Friday the the twenty sixth of, of July, and um, I think that it, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I, I the thing with the movie is that it it is definitely like a slow burn, and that is definitely something that a a, a decent amount of people just do not get down for. Yeah. Um, and, and it. it like I, I absolutely, I love the movie that we made. Um, but it, it, it's like, there, if there's, t- if ten people watch it, I think you know, five of it's, it's sort of been like half and half. You know, five of them just, it, it's too slow for them, or they like, they like, tuned in for something totally different than what we were offering, which I, I think the, the movie was originally called A Man in the Dark, which I think is a stronger title. Um. Well, it's not a stronger title, but it's it's a it's, it's more, more ambiguous. Kind of, yeah, it's more Probably. ominous, and, and the movie is definitely more of what I would consider to be a dark drama than it is a straight up horror movie. Mm. And I, I think I Trap the Devil sort of like uh, it sets expectations for something that might be a little bit more like visceral than mm. than what we deliver. When I think what we made is a little bit more kind of contemplative. Yeah, I feel like it would definitely be a case of just trying to manage your expectations. And that's something that we tried to talk about a little bit in our review where it's like, I love the title, I Trap the Devil, but I do feel like a lot of people will probably have a certain expectation with you have like such a bold title like that, that it's going to be more of like a kind of gnarly or, you know, very hellish, I guess, kind of yeah, kind of film. Um, when it's much more contemplative than that, which I love, like I, that's, that's totally my jam and I had a blast with the movie. Um, but I can definitely see how somebody who's not quite as in tune to something like that could have a totally different expectation and whether the movie is good or not, if it's not meeting your expectations, then they're not going to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like, you know, we also absolutely adore, uh, hereditary in a quiet place and, um, um, uh, get out. I don't know why my, oh, I, I know why my brain is blanking kids. Um, <laughs> so like we love those slower horror films. And I mean, we've talked about this a ton on the podcast where what makes a solid horror film isn't the jump scares. It's not the gore. It's not the stuff that most people would associate with horror. It's does it give you that just overwhelming sense of dread? Like, is there something about this movie that sticks with you that horrifies you? And, Man, again, we talked about this during our review, but with I Trap the Devil, absolutely so. Like, it's stuck with us, and um, yeah, like, I I still have a lot of questions uh, just about, you know, the title and about, like, what all is uh, is going on, but it's just so, it's not visceral, but it is, it's it's weighty, like, it sticks with you. Mm -hmm. Good. Uh, Hereditary, I saw it once, opening day in the theater, I adore it it's one of the best horror films, films i've seen in a very long time and i haven't seen it again but i haven't stopped thinking about it i, yeah. I about it regularly yeah, yeah. I, it was fantastic uh the, the ariaster is, is is a genius master but 
I already don't think about Midsummer anymore. Hereditary, yeah. still, I just I think about Hereditary. It is so masterfully made, and uh, it's wonderful. Maybe anyway, I'll trap the double. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I definitely think I think movies that sort of capture like a like, like that are like quote unquote dread inducing have a, have a longevity that um sort of like I, I went and saw the new annabelle movie and i really liked it It was very fun but you know five minutes after the movie was over i was like okay cool and like on to the next thing mm-hmm. because it, i don't i don't, it, it didn't feel like it had any weight and um i i i just i think things that some of my favorite movies are i i just like i absolutely love the mothman prophecies yeah mm-hmm. that's good that's like one of my like favorite movies ever and and it just it it's haunting and you know we were talking how i i last night i watched lake mungo which is like it's haunting and i, I stuff like that resonates with me uh, on a level that like you know just jump scare like like quote unquote thrilling films don't i i like things that that last yeah. and you know i think i i do i think it would be super fun to make something that was you know more in line with like like lights out or something but i i think with this i i just wanted to tell a story like originally you know the movie like i said the movie was called a man in the dark and the the uh, the, the man in the dark was scott's character steve it, it really like the devil wasn't one of the main characters mm-hmm. and i think that's something that tripped people up because the devil isn't really or you know the 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 devil the presence um whether it is or not was never meant to be like a like a starring player. It was always meant to just be more of like, you know, the spark that kind of ignites this fire. And then it was about this this family. And, and so I, I I've always thought of it as more of like a drama movie than a horror movie per se. And I I hate to be in that camp of people that are like, oh, you know, it's not a horror movie. But like this movie, I just I I have a very hard time classifying it as a horror movie purely mm-hmm. because like. I just don't think that it, it it it's offering any of what like a horror movie usually does. Mm-hmm. Like like this this movie has like a particular sense of dread and it I for me personally I feel like it carries the dread from, you know, minute 1 to minute 83 or whatever. But it doesn't, you know, there's not like I don't know, maybe I'm just No, no, I I I, 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 see. I digress. <laughs> totally see where you're coming from. Uh, now, personally, I think that everything is horror. It's, yeah, that's true. That's one of the games we play. Is like, how can we say that this movie is a horror movie? Yeah, like, like how is James we... the Giant Peach a horror movie? Because it is terrifying. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, like for me, everything is horror. Um, but like specifically with I Trap the Devil, it's not the devil that makes it horror for me, at least. You know, it is all of that family interaction and. Not what's going on in the basement, but what's going on in their relationships. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that uh, that I wanted to ask about. And then my mild spoilers for people who maybe a major spoiler for people who haven't seen should, it yet. Should we not spoil the movie? Um, I can't ask this question without it being at least a mild spoiler. Um, so if you want a spoiler free yet review go back and listen to our two guys a girl in a bad situation uh, episode from chat film fest part <laughs> one on. and we we talk about how much we love it um so one of the questions that i have and i actually had this before going into the movie and i was like i i really hope that this is the case and let's let's see what happens 
whether the devil is like the actual devil or if it's referencing more of like um, what Scott's character is going through and Personal like demons. Yeah. Like dealing with your inner demons and um, then watching through the movie, it's like, Oh yeah, he does have some trauma and he does have some inner demons. And so is I trapped the devil. Like, could that be referencing not letting go of trauma, not letting go of that hurt, not letting go of those inner demons. So it's kind of like I've, trapped this devil and I refuse to let him go because this trauma is now part of who I am. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll answer quickly, Josh, uh, after I read the script, that's totally something that I struggle with, how to bring this person to life. Um, And also dealing with um, grief and trauma, something that like, uh, I don't know if you guys saw personal show opera. The movie is incredible. And it deals with losing some a loved one in your life and then what that person goes through their perspective on life and this guy steve uh you know holding yourself up in your house becoming a hermit and dealing with the best way he knows how his own grief and his own uh working through this this neuroses um and then having a a, a twist at the end the, whether or not you saw it coming or or what you what you saw coming you're still seeing this guy dealing with his immediate family surprising him on christmas eve <clears throat> and then just through hints that we kind of place throughout we don't tell you the whole story about what he's going through but he's obviously dealing with with the loss of loved ones um a son or a daughter his wife who we may or may not see in the television yada yada uh, so if that it touches on your question at all, um, mm-hmm. that was my, and something I thought would be a lot of fun to play with the duality and the inner battle. That's why I love the title of man in the dark so much because it's referring to multiple people in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There, there's some like weird, you know, I, 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 I probably shouldn't listen to like, not critic reviews, but like user reviews. But I, I read them all. And, and, <laughs> sure. and every, every, every single one. <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, literally, like, every, I read every single one of them. Um, I, I had to stop because I would, like, comment on a lot of them. And, <laughs> and, and, Don't engage the internet. No, no, the, the thing is, uh, I, I sort of figured that, like, a lot of these people um, I could, like, strike a conversation with. And, like, I, I don't really, I never really come at it in, like a like, an aggressive way. But um, I could, like, if someone didn't like the movie, you know, I could try to, like, talk with them about it. And I mm-hmm. thought that was cool. But uh, there were a lot of things where, you know, pe- people would were constantly, like, talking about, like, well, like, well, why don't these people just leave? Why don't AJ, AJ and uh, Susan Burke's character, why don't they just leave? Like, you know, they, like, will go, they'll, like, go to sleep. And the, um, the entire, like, thought process behind that was just the fact that, like, this is family, man. They don't, like... They don't. They don't want to leave. Like, yeah. yeah it, it's like, what's the? If they left, their whole reason for going there, which is to basically like <clears throat> tend to their mentally handicapped in law, is is for nothing. Not mentally handicapped. Not mentally. Handicapped. <laughs> I I said that completely. Yes, <laughs> em, emo, em, emotionally like vulnerable. Um, in, in you can't take it back. You can't take it back. <laughs> I'm just like picturing Scott as like Bubble Boy. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. Uh, but, but no, touching back on AJ and Susan, they're now uh, 
Susan especially, is all about self-preservation. So who has seen them enter the house? Are they now complicit? Can they just mm-hmm. leave? Right? Yeah. If you think about it. It's also just like, hey, there's this irritating thing with like horror movies. Like, why don't they just call the cops? Why don't they just leave? It's like, well, then there wouldn't be a fucking movie, man. Right, <laughs> like, I know. Sure, there is stop. also that. You're ruining everyone's fun. <laughs> I, like, I, I don't want to have to stop and be like, well, the phone lines were down. Like, fuck off. Like, no, it's just, <laughs> like, enjoy the movie and like the characters stay there because they, you know, they, they, they went there to like, to like try to like make their in-law, you know, feel not, not, not better, but like it went there to try to like reconcile their relationship. And, and, you know, the person in the basement isn't causing like, like an immediate physical threat, you know? Yeah. Like, it's not like there's like an ax wielding psychopath, like running around the house, killing people, you know, there's, there's someone in the basement and like they're locked down there for, you know, in the, in the film, it's sort of alluded to that he's been down there for several years and it's like he's not going anywhere. So them not exactly like, you know, like rushing around to like find a conclusion was never something I was like very interested in. It was more just like, well, what do we do with this guy? And what do we do with our, our brother-in-law and brother, you know, that is a constructive and sort of the family dynamic falls apart from there. And then each each of the characters, like like, like Susan's character, Karen, is, is the only proactive character in the entire movie mm-hmm. she's the only one that actively is like trying to do anything where like a- aj's character is um extremely wishy-washy mm-hmm. he- he's very uh he's easy to like jump ship back and forth and it, but he's also kind of it, it's alluded to too that he's like a when the going gets tough you know he gets going kind of kind of guy and i think that that stays true all the way through the movie AJ's character also is kind of Pounding that bourbon. Yeah, he's. he's I would buy him passing out on the couch for a few hours. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll read again. I'll read like fucking user reviews where people were like, why doesn't anyone acknowledge that AJ's character never is is not holding a drink? I was like, why does anyone need to explain that? (laughs) Like, nobody, like, I, I, there's this fucking thing with like movie logic that they have to like acknowledge everything. Like, in the movie, AJ's character is an alcoholic, but Mm. like, this is not the time to have a sit down and be like, hey, your drinking is out of control. It's like, no, dude, he's an alcoholic. He's acting like an alcoholic. Like, that's not the important thing. But, like, if he's always holding a drink, he's always, like, pounding the booze. Like, you know, you can you can get that. Yeah, that's one of the things that I really love about the movie. And it's one of the things that I have, one of the biggest issues I have with just kind of internet movie culture in general is like, oh, here's everything wrong with this movie. Here, let me point out all the plot holes. And it's like, no, they're not plot holes. It just doesn't matter. Like, you don't need this information. You don't need to have your hand held. I went and watched the, the new Lion King movie yesterday. And it was really annoying to me, like how it's basically a shot for shot remake, but with extra dialogue to explain more things to you that you already know. Well, that makes me sad. Like, it's so crazy to me how much movies try to like hold your hand and tell you every little thing you need to know. When it's like, we don't need that information. It's a visual medium. You can see this through the characters, through the performance, through these details. So like, I love that you don't like go through all those like perfunctory like oh no the phone lines are down like that kind of stuff immediately (laughs) takes me out of the movie because i know it's just like a cheap screenwriting kind of ploy like oh we can't we have to explain this so the audience doesn't get mad at us like what's your audience trying to catch up with you yeah well and like in some movies i do get why you need to explain the phone lines are down because yeah like there's an axe wielding maniac and you have to call the uh, cops because Yeah. yeah but in this one 
and, and I trap the devil, you don't need to explain that because it's not about why can't they call, it's why don't they call? And the reason that they don't is, like you were just saying, it's it's family. You know, like, um, when I was watching this, I, I don't know if this was your intention at all, but it felt like someone going home for the holidays that has been complaining about their druggy sibling. And, you know, like, the entire time, just like, oh, so-and-so, probably back on drugs again, and, like, just angry about it, but they're family, so we gotta go see them. And then you get home, and they're actively high. And it's like, ah, well, I can't be mad at them. Because, like, they're actively going through this thing that is very harmful to them. Not to other people, but it's, like, it's harming themselves. Mm -hmm. And anyone who has ever dealt with a family member who has any sort of addiction, you don't call the cops the first time they get high. Because it's like, I, you, you don't want them to, to get arrested. And so there is that struggle of how do we deal with this in a way that it is actually helping family rather than hurting them and uh you know my background psychology i've done substance abuse counseling before and so like again i don't necessarily think that um addiction was necessarily what you were thinking but it definitely to me at least comes through in terms of like how they're interacting and why you don't need to explain that the phone lines are down because yeah you're dealing with a an addict an addict it's just his drug of choice is trauma yeah, yeah, I, I definitely, I just, like, <clears throat> I, I, the way I, I came at it was <clears throat> AJ's, AJ's character, Matt, has basically been, like, long absent from Steve's life. And, you know, Steve is basically, has definitely gone, he, he's had an event, you know, and the event is never sort of totally, like, explained in the movie uh, mm -hmm. it wasn't supposed to because it's just you know it i don't I don't, yeah. I don't i don't walk into my house and be like oh wow you know i i'm so sorry that you're you know your wife and kid died like it doesn't work like that people basically <laughs> they, they tiptoe around the issues mm -hmm. and, and you never you never just like say it yeah. I, I think that's my biggest issue with like modern movies is like, I'm like, why the f are these characters saying this? <laughs> like, why are they telling me this bullshit? And, um, I, I just wanted to make something that felt like they, they all know what the issue is. And mm. there's enough in the film that's like going on to sort of like give you the, you know, give you the information you need. It, it, it sort of drives me nuts. And, and I think we made this one for such a, such a low budget that I could do that. I I, I just a lot I, a lot with two million though. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, if if man, if someone would give me two million dollars to make a movie that is like sort of thoughtful, to I would I would love to do that. I I just I get I get really like put off by movies where someone comes in, and they have to like feel like they have to explain mm -hmm. everything. They have to explain everything and everything has to be, it's like, no, let them figure it out. And like, you know, whatever the people on letter letterboxd, they'll like, will talk and, you know, they'll hate it and whatever. But like, I'm not really making movies for them to, or not, not for them, but I'm making movies for the people that are like, cool. I wanted like a weird cerebral thriller with mm -hmm. um, great performances and just like a, like an interesting story. And, and that's sort of, what I was like very focused on. And I wanted to talk about 
grief and, and I needed like a vehicle for for grief. And I, I think Scott sort of like perfectly conveyed what it, what it was. Basically, like it's like losing your mind. <clears throat> like kind of, it's just like the like crushing pressures of grief are just like so. You know, I mean, you're you're like wearing like a hundred pound backpack, and it's just like it's just like so much that eventually you just sort of self sabotage. Mm-hmm. Um, while also being like, I, I also think the movie has like an interesting like vein of like cosmic horror, mm-hmm. and just like like fate being like cyclical, and you know, you can like look at the ending and 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 just sort of the the person behind the doors entire demeanor is, is very like nonchalant. Mm-hmm. And it's and for me that was always just because like reality is like cyclical and um, you know it's just if 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 you're something if you are something that's sort of omnipresent you know you can't you don't you know you've existed forever um, like being trapped for a few years is not like a big deal yeah right. it's, it's sort of like whatever dude like. <laughs> Yeah, and that's one of the things that I I genuinely love so much about I Trap the Devil is it works on so many levels. Like for me, I I definitely watched it as more of dealing with the emotional side of things, uh, and, and like that's the majority of the movie because the rest of it is just you know it's setting. But man, that setting is a lot of fun. Like a horrible, dark, you know, disturbing fun. Um, but just the fact that, yeah, as someone is going through grief, rather than just setting it as people sitting around the holidays, getting drunk, complaining about their problems, it's, but we might have a devil in the basement. <laughs> so let's talk about that. Cause I, I, I love that so much because it does add that sort of supernatural thriller aspect of is it the devil or isn't it? And even though that's not necessarily a driving plot point, it's also kind of the driving plot point. Like <laughs> I, I, I just I love the uh, that supernatural side of it as well. Yeah, I, I definitely like I, I I sort of decided to commit to telling the audience like one way. Like I wanted to give them a definitive answer because like I think once you give them the definitive answer, then it's you're just like watching to like just like wait and see how the cars crash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's sort of just like, you know, I mean, if, if we're talking spoilers right now, you know, it's, uh, I know you guys said it earlier. The second, the, the second, the fucking person behind the door is just like, open the door, Karen. Like the audience is like, oh shit, it is, yeah. it is. Okay. <laughs> And then you're just like watching as all these assholes try to like reconcile their like family issues while this while this dude's hanging out in the basement, like getting a kick out of the fact that like he's literally like decimating like a family. <laughs> he's literally like t- it's funny. It's it's like and, and Chris Sullivan does a really good job in just like making it feel like like the, the movie I wrote. I, I, wrote, I remember writing the movie and it was very dour and dour, dour, dour. And, and um, I know when we got to set AJ. AJ was kind of like, ah, oh, you know, you need like brief moments of levity. And like, I don't like comedy per se, but there's there's a couple things. AJ, the, one of the big kind of misconstrued elements, I think, and and I, you see this a lot, like, same thing with like the movie You're Next, which um, I love AJ in, is I, I just don't think that people understand that the comedy is intentional. Mm-hmm. There there are like moments in this that are that are funny and and they're like intentionally funny and like quirky and it's like it's okay to laugh and um I think in time people will kind of be like oh okay like 
like he he's he's kind of hamming it up on purpose and chris sullivan mm. does it too just in that like he's having like a good time you know he's like he's he's having a good time like it it it's this is this is fun you know you're basically like this family's like emotional like roadblock has basically become his like playground and it's just like oh well you know he's stuck there you might as well like drum up some chaos yeah I love, he brings so much personality to that role in just like the brief little bits that you get to hear him talk it's mm-hmm. it's really fantastic yeah. well and that actually uh leads perfectly into one of the other questions that i had um dealing with more of that cosmic side of things whether or not the devil was ever actually trapped because yeah like if you're an eternal being then a few years just yeah, it's a few seconds to torture someone like was he sort of was he just toying with the family on purpose and not actually trapped but just like ah eh, i'm going to sit here and destroy this family individually cuz yeah i i need a break from train wrecks and airplane crashes yeah I, I- the boredom comes with eternity. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Do you, what's a couple of years to somebody's been around for a very, very long time? Yeah. Like I, did, did the mouse actually trap the cat, or yeah, was the cat toying right. with him the entire time? Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm not like a religious person per se, but I, 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 the way I, my kind of worldview is, is that I do not know enough about the the great eternal to say whether or not. Um, sort of like spirituality is something that exists or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I can't I can't say with absolute positivity, no, doesn't exist. Sorry, I, I think a lot of like kind of like atheist world views are kind of like, well, you don't know. Like say say there is, say, you know, say there is a, a spiritual being. I imagine that that being is so far beyond our comprehension mm-hmm. That it'd be like you know, like telling like a two D, like trying to explain like the third dimension to like a two D cartoon. Yeah, like we just like cannot get it, and so like we just won't know. Right, and, and so I think there's this thing, and you know, if like the, you know, the the artist in in Colorado managed to trap this thing, I, I just feel like it's like all right, like whatever, like cool. And <laughs> he's, just, he's like, ah, God, you got me. Like, whoops, you know. <laughs> And it's it's just like you know here here for uh, here for a good time, not for a long time. Like, <laughs> and so you know he's fucking with them, but like their issues are very real. Yeah, their issues are very real, and that that is like very serious. And so it's it, it's almost a little macabre. And like I I don't know I I, I think I think it's super entertaining. I think it's like a great stage play. Yeah, yeah. like Absolutely. honestly, I think it's a great stage play, and and um. You know, I, I, modern audiences are sort of fickle. Um, just they they want their cheap thrills, and you know, I, I think I think this is a movie that people will go back to. Um, you know, I, I hope it makes like some like end of the year like Christmas lists or something like that because I think I think that there is an audience of people that will like fucking love this thing mm-hmm. and that they will like find it, and you know, those are the people that will champion it. You know, I I fucking love Southland Tales, and like, you know, if you, if you can get a hundred people in a theater to watch Southland Tales, like, <laughs> you know, like he did something right. <laughs> well, it's definitely going to make our list. Uh, but speaking of Christmas, <clears throat> why did you decide to set it at Christmas? Um, it it <clears throat> it was like, honestly, it's like the most like, <clears throat> it, it just it just makes sense that like why when else 
I mean, I could literally have it where like a guy and his wife are just going to visit their, you know, their brother-in-law and all this stuff happens or like, I think the holidays are like a time that forces people to come together. I just think it's like super logical that they would pick, you know, not like a, like a, a rainy October day, but like Christmas. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah well, we haven't talked to him for a while. Like we might as well go. Yeah, especially seeing family that you don't want to see. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. When you no, also get the added right. benefit of the no, aesthetic. A, a larger scale, uh, literally, I know not everybody who's spiritual is watching this, but literally setting a, the scene for a movie about the devil at set during the birth of Christ. Right. <laughs> pretty ironic. Yeah. No, I love it. I think that's a brilliant idea. Like it was, it's one of my favorite things about the movie is that it's like Christmas. And, uh, and again, I, I don't remember if we talked about this on mic or not, but, uh, no Christmas music. Definitely a plus for me, but there are Christmas lights. There are Christmas lights. Yeah. yeah and there, there's also, I mean, there's little things also where like, you know, I think the movie's been out for long enough that I can sort of talk about th- Like the Christmas lights have been up for years in, in the mm-hmm. home. Like basically the event that has caused Steve to downward spiral happened like pre and like a previous year's like Christmas season. Mm. And it's been a shrine. ever. Yeah. So like, I I know, I I know people get like hung up and they're like, well, why would he hang up Christmas lights? And it's like, well, he he didn't, you know, (laughs) (laughs) he didn't, he wasn't, he wasn't like, well, you know, I'm fucking alone in this house with the devil. I might as well decorate like, who you know. Yeah, he's basically been living in like what was their like family's home, just sort of, you know, living like hanging out with his plants. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, and it, it's just basically, you know, he's basically just like built himself a tomb. And um, it, it, I, I sort of eschewed Christmas music because I think, I think Christmas because there was there was a point where there's a scene where he basically is like just like trying to get back control and he's he's dancing and it's just i i think at that point you basically just see that like his like mental state has like you know completely disapparated and like originally i was gonna put um uh the what is that the uh it's in like home alone the carol of the bells or whatever mm-hmm. i was gonna put carol of the bells over that scene and then it just it just felt very chintzy and like it's kind of disingenuous and um I just was like, yeah, I mean, this is like, it's a Christmas movie. It is a Christmas movie, but like, it's, it's more of like a, a story that takes place on Christmas versus right. Like when you watch like the black Christmas remake, like that whole movie is like, they're fucking killing people with like gingerbread man and stuff. And you're like, Oh, okay. Like <laughs> that's a Christmas. Movie. Like, I see what you did there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But to Steve, it has to stop being Christmas. Like he, he doesn't realize it's literally Christmas right now. Yeah. Like, he probably doesn't even know what, what day of the week it is. Yeah. I look. I looked a lot at like like Eyes Wide Shut, which is like my that's my favorite Kubrick film film, and um, like it's like my favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I love it. I just like every I watch it every Christmas Eve, um, and, and it just like that movie like has nothing to do with Christmas, but it has everything to do with Christmas. Sure, because it just sort of like amplifies the. That's like a weird movie, man. Like I I just every year I rewatch it, and I'm like, man, this is basically about like. Tom Cruise is basically be like being cucked and then just like <laughs> just like gets real pissed off and then just like it's like he's just like st- storming around New York like oh my wife like can look at other men just for like, for like two and a half hours like gets himself into all this shit and then comes back he's like honey honey I'm sorry <laughs> like, I don't even know I don't even know what was going on like 
yeah it's, oh, it's, man. it's great so, so obviously it only gets more and more relevant with each passing year yes yeah. <laughs> i think it's tom cruise's best movie too i just he's so good in it and he's so sort of it's different it's such a crazy movie to think that it even exists because this is like this has been like tom cruise and nicole kidman were like the biggest like couple and people in hollywood and then they go off and make this movie where they're like naked half the movie and they're and like doing all these crazy i don't know it's just wild to me that that movie exists yeah. with those people i feel like uh that was their cinematic breakup sex like i yeah. think that they knew it's like okay things are over uh it's gonna be naked it's pretty fascinating yeah sorry sorry honey i i only have one woman in my life her name's scientology <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! But yeah, yeah. I mean, I just like how that movie like it uses the backdrop of Christmas to sort of like amplify things, and and that is what you know. That is what I I tried to like channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and again, like I think that it totally worked. I was just curious as to <laughs> to why that decision. Um, I, one of the other things that I love about the the Christmas lights being there is just the aesthetic that it gives. Um, and we talked about this on the review, how in the basement, everything is super dark, like not just atmospherically, but like literally dark. You can hardly see anything down there on the main floor. You have the Christmas lights. And so like, there's this eerie glow. Things are a little bit more lit, but distorted. And then in the attic where he, uh, or the top floor, whatever it was, where he has his crazy conspiracy theory of, you know, like all the yarn connecting all the things that's the most well-lit room in the house. Uh, and, and when Eric and I were talking about this on our review, like, I questioned whether or not that was intentional of showing sort of like his different mental states where like the basement represented just like deep, raw emotion where you don't really see much of anything. It's just all about how you feel um, up where he had his conspiracy theory. It's less about how he felt, but more about how he thought about things. And so that's where he felt like things were the most clear and trying to balance in between those two, the main floor, literally in between that top floor and the basement if that's where things got so distorted in that sort of murky light, or if that was just sort of happy, coincidental, atmospheric stuff, I overanalyze everything. I probably should have mentioned that towards the beginning. So basically, basically the whole thing works like this. Uh, we shot this stuff in the basement in the middle ground, and, and me and my DP were like, let's make it dark, dark, dark. When we finally get to the attic, my producer's like, nobody's going to be able to see this, so make it lighter. <laughs> you you got to be, be able to see all those yarn, the strings. I'm, I'm 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 joking. No, I mean I, de- I definitely think that like there is like a thematic through line where like, um, you know, for me the the basement is like the most like hellish environment, and and like its soundscape too is like so, like, you know, it, it's all it's just so constricting mm. that um, I think that it it it's kind of operates as its own world, and it's what me and my DP call true neon. Like you see a lot of movies that just have like bright colors and it just looks very like, and like that true neon is just like bathing people like in like a solid color. And, um, that I think it's like, it's very stylish. It's very cool. I, I, I like, I like Nick Reffin does that. And I, a bunch mm-hmm. of people try to rip him off all the time, but like no one ever really kind of gets it, mm-hmm. but yeah, it is extremely intentional. Okay. Uh, Scott, what about for you? Like, did you have a different, um, mindset when you, uh, did, did you get into a different headspace on each floor in terms of acting? I didn't. 
honestly. Um, it was all part of what he was dealing with. I mean, I, I'm looking at big picture and then trying to get people on the same page as me. Once I realized, oh shit, I'm the company. <clears throat> Whether or not I reveal certain things depends on how far I believe they've believed me at this point. Mm -hmm. The woman AJ to the attic. I mean, I'm aware of all these things. So I don't think of um, of different floors and different um in different mindsets. I, I will say my sunroom is a very different place for me. And I think I'm only in there once in the film when that, when I, I wake up from a nap or something um, that that's, that's my safe place. I, I sleep in there every night. That's, that's where I think Steve sleeps. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's his womb. Um, other than that, the rest of the house is kind of fair game for what's I believe is trapped in my basement and is messing with me. And does that make sense? I mean, just trying yeah, to get yeah. on board now that I have people here um, who are actively opposed to what I'm doing. Not only that, but trying to uh, <laughs> trying to wreck my plan. Uh, I need to get them on board. Um, so, uh, no, to answer your question, I, I don't feel different uh, kind of an approach depending mm -hmm. on or I'm on in the house. I'm going to say, though, whatever whatever mindset it was that you were in, it works beautifully because your performance in this movie is absolutely terrific. Like it, it's it's one of those things where I I have a hard time with a lot of like paranoid thriller kind of things, because nine times out of ten, the person who's paranoid, you know, that they're in that they're wrong. And it's like, I mean, I can't buy into anything that this person is selling at all because I just know that this isn't right. But in this movie, it's one of those things where it's like the your paranoia is so palpable. It's like before you really know the answer to what's happening at the end of the movie, it's like, I think this guy might really have the fucking devil trapped in his basement. Like I'm kind of believing what's going on here. Compliment I can ever repeat. That's like, it, it, it reminds me a lot of, uh, the, the movie, the freaking movie bug with, uh, Michael yeah, Shannon. Yeah. That, that's one of my favorite performances in a movie ever, because it's like, I know this guy's crazy, but I also kind of believe what he's saying. Like, it, it's just, you completely understand why Ashley Judd's character would like buy into this thing that he's, he's saying in this movie. So he's crazy, kudos. but he's not wrong. Uh, except in that movie, he kind of is, but I, I'm trying to echo, but I, you still kind of buy into it. Right. No. Yeah. Uh, the last movie, I think the last movie I saw at the new Beverly, was was before the, uh, the renovation was take shelter and again mm -hmm. shannon's performance in that um god it blew me away he's he's really really strong mm -hmm. there's a world in which i trap the devil is like terrible is like a terrible movie and <laughs> it's, it's just like i don't want a, to live in that world no yeah there's there's a world in which like it just does like the sort of acting because it it. I just sort of stumbled into Scott and AJ and those guys. I basically had spent like years harassing AJ in Los Angeles and um, just getting him to be, to try to be in a movie. And, um, you know, he finally committed and he introduced me to Scott and, and Susan. And, um, you know, without, without that, I never would like this movie was quality would have, you know, been so drastically different because like, you know, I can, I can write till the cows come home and, um, but like it really is, it, it, it all just falls on performance. Mm -hmm. There's two How, things that need to be good in a movie: it's it's performance and fucking lighting, and you're mm -hmm. good. Absolutely. Like it, it sound sound too, but you know, I mean, 
Tom Cruise can turn a bad script into something entertaining. Like if you know, with these guys, these guys are doing a lot of heavy lifting. They like are adding like dimension to things that on the page were so you know kind of cut and paste. And um, so I mean, it really like so much of like this movie's success like falls on on these guys just because it because it works. I also have to ask too, um, because there's another Scott that worked on this movie, Scott Weinberg, who is one of my favorite film critics. Um, I've been following him on Twitter for years, and I just I'm, I'm just a huge fan of his. And um, so, how did he get on board with this film, like as a producer? Um, he, I knew him from going to like Fantastic Fest and such, mm-hmm. and I knew that if. I if I was going to like get a movie made because like you know I could make a movie out here in Wyoming, and um, that doesn't mean that anyone's going to see it or it's going to sort of be on anyone's radar. And I, he had just kind of come off of um, found footage 3D, which you know a I lot of people were talking. Yeah, people were talking about, and, and so I was kind of like, "Yo, I have something that's completely different. Um, is this something you?" might be interested in doing and he, he came on board and he just helped me shape the script and um he he sort of reintroduced me to aj because uh, i i had known aj like i said like on my own just from being like a, like an obnoxious kid <laughs> uh, but like he he was like okay like you know with with scott there too aj was like okay cool well you know this isn't just like some guy like you know, harassing me at the new bev like um not only that, but Scott has been a huge supporter of uh, both me and AJ since uh, 2007 when we brought the signal to Sundance. Mm-hmm. Uh, he interviewed us there for an article, um, and he's just been—he's been a champion of, of of both of ours for a long time. So that was really cool to all get back together and make a movie. Yeah. Well, and uh, speaking of those performances, um, I, I, I referenced this referenced this at least once already. But when we did our chat film fest coverage, the episode where we talked about I Trap the Devil was two guys, a girl in a bad situation because uh, there were four movies that we saw that it really came down to just a three person cast you know, plus a few extras, maybe. But so, so much of the of, of each of those films they had to carry the weight of the acting, and if any of the performances had been weak, it would have been a terrible movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't remember everything that I said um, about our I Trap the Devil review, but I do remember like just speaking so glowingly about those performances. And just like, what was that like to, this one's uh, primarily for Scott, just in terms of knowing I have to carry so much of this film, I have to basically carry at least a third of this film on my back, like, What's it like to be on such a small cast and know that your performance has to carry as much weight as it does? Uh, I really wasn't thinking about that at all. I mean, we shot this so quickly. It's such a fun story to tell. Uh, we had no idea who, I mean, the, the crew and uh, the other cast that were there, I mean, we're all in a very in very tight quarters for a short period of time. That took pressure away right there, just getting along with it and having a great time. Not only that, I'm with one of my closest friends, AJ. God, I don't even know how many movies we've made. We've been making movies. I mean, we went to high school together. Our first wow. film was in at UGA, the University of Georgia. We shot this in, in uh, 97, 97. And since then, we've made I, I, a bunch of movies together. But not only that, we hang out outside of film. I mean, we, we go try and explore and find the best burgers we can in whatever city and state we're in. Mm. Uh, just being with him, 
Um, and then getting to know Susan, I just met her. Um, it was getting to know Rowan, our um, other producer, and he played the cop there, uh, the, the deputy, the younger mm. cop, beginning of the end, that's, that's Rowan. Um, just a wonderful experience. I, I really wasn't thinking about any weight on my shoulders at all. Um, I don't know. That's a testament to the story being told, I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I had an absolute blast, and I would do it again in a heartbeat. Well, Josh, what about uh, directing? Thousand dollars <laughs> <laughs> in a heartbeat and money. Pay me. <laughs> like what? What's it like to uh, to direct again? Just such a small cast. Uh f- man, I don't know. <laughs> just, it, uh, I was like the least. Ex- experienced person on the set <laughs> so uh i i it was basically me you know saying like you know i've been cooking up this script for like about a year year and a half and i was just like okay cool well let's try to like basically make this <clears throat> let's try to like make this the most authentic version that it can and i, I remember i remember <laughs> i had never really worked with and like i, I say this in a i had never really worked with worked with actors that had been in like actual movies you know I, I mean i worked with people in like my my hometown and you know random people from like la casting which you know you can get whatever you want there but uh these guys are like trained actors mm-hmm. and i remember the first day you know just coming in like watching and there was there was like one moment in particular because we we started off the first couple days with like like the first day we shot, like, Susan had no dialogue. You know, it was just her, like, opening stuff. So there's not a lot there to sort of be, like, wowed by. But the but the first, like, real kind of dialogue scene we shot was um, after Steve basically finds Karen trying to open the door in the basement. And they're sitting in the kitchen. He Scott has, like, the gun on them. and You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, that was, the that was like, one of the first scenes we shot. And uh, <laughs> I, ju- I just remember, like... Scott starts and like, you know, does this fucking thing and it just like gives life to the this these pages, and, and like we like just forgot to call cut and we're just like, wow. <laughs> we're just like oh shit, this is gonna be way better than we thought it was gonna be, like wow, <laughs> and and from and, and you know all three of them were just like firing on all cylinders and I was like, Fuck, man, I'm I'm screwed, I am way out of my league. <laughs> so the whole the whole rest of the shoot was me just being like, oh shit, like. What do oh, I shit, do? We're making a movie. <laughs> it's gonna be terrible. I have no idea what I'm doing, and uh, and we, we we got through it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, and um, yeah, I mean, I I think it, it, I think what really helped the movie was that we shot it in like no days, and <laughs> and so we had to be like ultra specific. So you know, when my AD would come to me, he's like, it's fucking five a.m. You got to get this page right here, and I'd be like, oh, all right, cool. Just like get this one shot, and and like looking back on that now i'm like no that's the perfect way to do it because that one shot had to tell all of this information without like just constantly cutting between mm-hmm. you know a ton and like i will take that into my next next time i, I want more days but i will take that into my, all of the films that i make that's like that intention is what made the movie good it's what made the movie feel cinematics because every beat was like one camera setup we had one camera setup to tell the story in in the way it needed to be told mm-hmm. 
except for this one scene where I just like I changed the setup like eight hundred times, <laughs> <laughs> over and over and over again. I don't know. I don't know. I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. But um, yeah, man, it's definitely uh, shit, man. And it, it, it's cool. It, it definitely. It, it, it was a great experience, and now I'm terrified of working with anyone that's, like, not professional. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, fuck. Like, they made me look like I knew what I was, I was, what I was doing. So now I'm, like, I'm like terrified that, like, I'm going to work with somebody that, like, isn't like that, and then my true colors are going to show. I just have no, I have no, no idea what I'm doing whatsoever. <laughs> well, it's all, it's all these guys. All. Like, where did I get my DP from? I don't know. Like... <laughs> But yeah, no, I, it, it, it was cool. And like, I, like most of my crew are, are some of my best friends. So like being able to like work with them and I know we, we as a collective are, are working on something new. I, I'm not directing it. Um, a friend of mine is directing it. It's their mm. first feature, but it's, it's 99% of the same crew. And so we're trying to like bring to that the same sort of energy that we brought to, we brought to mine. And awesome. Yeah. Definitely yeah. looking forward to more projects. Yeah, uh, yeah. All right. So I have three more questions, and these are a, a bit sillier. Uh, so the first one, in in the last three months, when Eric and I have been trying to uh, to get this interview set up, um, we started referring to the two of you as Poitras and Lobo. And to me, it sounded like um, like an industrial Norwegian atmospheric death metal band, like Sigaros meets Rings of Saturn. <laughs> So <laughs> I play the shards of glass. <laughs> so uh what what would you think, uh Poitras and Lobo, like what power team would would they be in your mind? Damn. Hmm. I in my mind I, I think of it as just like this kick ass buddy com- buddy cop comedy, like <laughs> where one of them's a robot. Yes. One of you can be a robot. You can fight over which one gets to be the robot. The robot. Uh, like, uh, like, I was gonna say like Starsky and Hutch. Maybe, Maybe. Turner and Hooch. Pointers. I was thinking a little bit more Lethal Weapon style, but with a robot, I guess. Sure. Do you since you throw that in there, throw that wrinkle in there? I like that idea. I mean, how can you not have a robot? <laughs> I I I don't know. Like a like a like an iconic duo like. Do like hollow notes, like, like Jay and Silent Bob, <laughs> or, or Obi Wan and three PO. Ooh, yeah, that'd be. I will watch the shit out of that movie. Yes, but like old Obi Wan and young three PO. Yeah, like Michael Jackson and Corey Feldman. <laughs> I, I would prefer to to be neither. <laughs> I was gonna say which one would be which. I, I knew Corey Feldman. <laughs> I used to work at this pizza place, and uh, I was I, we're, I still work at a pizza place, different pizza place. But um, I, yeah, I knew Corey Feldman, and and me, and my friend Rowan, just like interacted with him all the time. He was super cool to us. And then like one day we were like, "Yo, man, we're having a Halloween party. You are like, I would love if you just showed up. Like it's very nonchalant." And he's like, "I'll do it for a thousand bucks." Like, wait a minute, we want you want to we want to get paid to come to our party. <laughs> Well, that is exactly where I expected that story to end. <laughs> oh man! It's like okay, cool, like whatever. Uh, there's a thing called cameo, which, uh, like, do you know what that is? Where you can like buy like 
personal like you like basically pay celebrities to just like give you like a shout out mm-hmm. <laughs> and like set their own prices so you know like fucking i don't know pat pat sajak's like on there and you know for 35 dollars he'll be like hey like josh you What's up? It's your birthday. I'm Pat Sajak. Like, like, it has like a big cameo watermark under it, so like you know that it was purchased. Um, and, and but like Corey Feldman is like six hundred dollars. <laughs> like so expensive. And I I just like I thought about there was like a couple people. I just thought about like paying paying for the the cameos and then using that as like the marketing for my movie. Go <laughs> see. Like, why is Terry Crews promoting this movie? <laughs> you should make a movie just using Cameo. Like, just get all of them Hire acting everyone through Cameo. That. Yeah. That's a good idea. <laughs> so expensive. I was going to say you might end up paying more for them that way. You can make your money spread. Yeah, I man, it's just like you're, you know, it's like sixty dollars for like the kid who plays Georgie from It to like sing you Happy Birthday. It's <laughs> like kid do this you're paying our mortgage <laughs> you can do like an, a, an imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus style where you just have a whole bunch of different actors playing the same character <laughs> oh my god that's a fucking I need a, I need like a, I need like a rant or something cause you get like you get like 30 second videos well, I was thinking more like Deadman Don't Wear Plaid with the uh, old Steve Martin movie oh, where yeah. uh, he's interspliced with uh-huh. uh, just old um, uh, film noir movies yeah. where it's just like one person. It, it can be Poitras. So, uh, yeah, like just have Scott interacting with all of these other cameo people. I'd do it. I'd do it for 10 bucks. <laughs> good idea. You're going to have to omit this from the podcast. <laughs> Or I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come back, and like you're gonna hear from my lawyer. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I just from Corey Feldman. Yeah, he's like six hundred dollars on there. Damn, cool. Like, what are you? Why are you still famous? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> he um he doesn't. He yeah. was in. He was in. The, what was it? They did. There was like this write up about those parties that he would have with his uh his angels or what the Corey's angels parties yeah. or whatever. That was that was very interesting. I also love his music yeah. videos and stuff, like the music yeah. that he does, those those live performances he did on, what was it, like the Today Show was Im- amazing. <laughs> well, he's got like Coke Jaw now, so he's all like... <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it, it's just like one of those things, you see him, in, at, he, people talk about him all the time, and I'm just I'm just like, how is he still like relevant? I mean, well, I mean, this this is not actually a joke, but like every, every like few years to like pop up and be like, hey, I was, you know, I was utilized by studio execs while I was a child, which is fucked up. That's not funny. But, like, that's pretty much it. Like, I mean, he doesn't really do anything now, and but he's, like, super relevant. Like, I fucking hear about him all the time. They still do Lost Boys sequels. I know there were, like, four of those that came out a while back. Yeah. He was in some of them, or all of them, I don't remember. Yeah, I, I think that, unfortunately, he was trapped in uh, that time where child stars... Trapped in Scott's basement. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, Scott that's actually a, that's a bad joke. Uh, no, like we're, when, when right, child oh, stars were, weren't treated very well and that became their entire life and they just were never able to escape it. And so like, because I think now there's hopefully less of that, maybe still more of it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, like it just seems like there's a lot of 80s child stars that can't let go of the fact that they were 80s child stars yeah. yeah and some have made it out and made uh, just a 
game-changing uh, life for what they've done, like Jason Bateman being one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I grew up with him. I was watching him in the Hogan family. I mean, I feel like he's like a part of my life that we've never met, but he's still making Ozark. My wife, Claire, just worked on season two, season three's oh. gear. And we're shooting right now, actually, here in Atlanta. Um, and I'm just a huge, huge fan of him. Yeah, I definitely, there's definitely, um, I know there's been like a lot of like talk because of like Edward Furlong being in Terminator, yeah. Dark Fate. Oh, Turner, I, yeah. I, 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 I've seen a test screening of, I, I, I like got into a test screening of Terminator Dark Fate. So I like know more about that movie than I can Ooh. like share. Interesting. But <laughs> do tell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one else will know. Skydance <laughs> and Paramount are just like, ha ha ha. You think you made some money off I Trapped the Devil? Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's our money now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, it just like sort of like Edward Furlong's presence in that movie and then just kind of like the trajectory of like Edward Furlong's life. It's just because they were like, they like Hollywood didn't know what to do with him post being a, like this child star. And um, yeah, I just think that's sad. I think today there's like more of an eye on it. So there's kids like, like fucking look at Daniel Radcliffe, who was like the ultimate child star who could have just like fucking tanked. Like yeah. he's fucking Harry Potter. And, and like you look at him now, and like he has made that like that transition was weird, but it like it was like pretty much very seamless into like I don't when I see Daniel Radcliffe, I don't think of him as Harry Potter. I just think of him as Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, no, that's how I am too. I, his you know, the process of making movies. He did an episode of Off Camera with Sam Jones, which is probably one of my favorite shows on these days or podcasts as well. And he was on, and he literally just loves the process. Uh, he is probably the most self aware child actor who's grown up in the the industry <clears throat> of making films and being knowing your worldwide status but also being so humble about it um he's just incredibly cool and funny as hell his, his sense of humor is amazing he's working on the show called miracle workers right now i don't know if anybody's seen it mm. amazing he's hysterical he's he's really really funny in fact one of my favorite episodes of uh extras ricky gervais show anybody yeah it, yeah yeah when daniel radcliffe was on that <clears throat> I don't know if y'all saw that, but oh my god, he's he's, he's brilliant. I'm at huge respect to Daniel. Oh, absolutely. He's in, he's in this he's in this movie that's coming up called like Guns Akimbo. It's like the the new movie from the guys who made like Deathgasm. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I'm just like so I'm just so excited, and I I love I love honestly like we're in such a like an era where it's like so fun or not fun, but like the internet seems to think it's fun to like tear people down. But I get like really excited when people are like successful. Like mm. I get like very like when I see like an actor I really like in something, and he just like starts popping up in like a bunch of shit. I'm just like, wow, that's awesome! Like hell yeah, especially when it's like weird stuff, like Swiss Army like, Man. Yeah, yeah, it's like that's so exciting for me. Is just like watching these like people like break the mold and like do yeah. something like weird and like cool. And and I don't know. That's 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 the kind of stuff that like gets my rocks off. Is just like. Just like, just like weird things that people are like, hell yeah. I mean, you know, fucking Swiss Army Man wouldn't if, you know, those two so guys good. were like, yeah, we got this movie about this like farting corpse and like grief and like, <laughs> if they did, if Daniel Radcliffe didn't sign on to that movie if, and Paul Dano, it probably wouldn't have been made. Right. And so I love the choices he's made post Harry Potter. Like, it's just like he truly is somebody who's like really putting his neck out there and just doing very interesting, creative things. Yeah. 
outside like i mean it's it's fascinating i love daniel radcliffe so i'd like to think that swiss army man is in the harry potter universe and like that's what happens to him after the epilogue so harry dies and then he just washes up on shore somewhere which is why he still has these undead magical powers is because you know he was a horcrux and was able to come back and all the patronus exactly (laughs) (laughs) That movie, oh, the end of that movie is horrifying when they like actually show up at that lady's house. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so uncomfortable at the end of the you know, movie. It's just like, oh god, what is this become? <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> like rides like a dead corpse to like <laughs> to like this lady that he like has been trying to talk to's house. Oh, oh my god, yeah, the ending the, it has such a crazy <laughs> twist at the end, kind of like it's just so. Oh man, and it really does make you feel uncomfortable in a way that like a person speaking to a farting corpse doesn't <laughs> somehow. Yeah, and like the cops show up and they're like, "What's going on here?" Oh gosh, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely yeah. F- farting corpse isn't great. That outside of the usual. I don't actually watch that much like weird weird shit either i am like there's all these like amazing shows going on and i'm still just like oh man i'm watching showtime's the affair (laughs) (laughs) i like come home to like you know people are watching all this like crazy shit and i'm like oh yeah i'm just gonna watch some like you know some juicy family drama you have no idea how many times i've rewatched news radio like that Uh, yeah (laughs) <laughs> why watch something new just watch something i love I, uh all right so <laughs> i trapped the dominic west <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> speaking of uh two guys a girl in a bad situation the other thing that we did was um trying to figure out if the if, if each of the movies that we talked about were recast with ryan reynolds and nathan fillion because even though those weren't necessarily the two guys from the show both of them were on it uh, yeah, we we I went through this thing where I was like, isn't is, I know it's Ron Reynolds, but isn't Nathan Fillion the other guy on Two Guys Are Going to Pizza Place? And it's like, no, he was on the show, but he wasn't like the other titular guy in the show. Yeah, well, but we ran with it anyway. It makes our bit better. So, um, who like if, if you could recast it with Nathan Fillion and Ryan Reynolds, who would play whom? So, uh, who would play AJ's character and who would play Scott's character? And I feel we're with a perfect cast. (laughs) (laughs) Who's gonna answer wisely? (laughs) Not that not that we would ever want you to be replaced, Scott. Um hypothetically speaking. I I I would replace He wants DJ Qualls as Steve. (laughs) (laughs) I would I would replace AJ with Scoot McNeary. (laughs) Oh my god, he's one of my favorites. He's great. That that's like who I, I like. I was like watching Halt and Catch Fire when I when I wrote the script. So like that was like who I guess I sort of prototyped the the hmm. character with, and um, just because he's like he's, he's very interesting in that movie. It's so weird that he's sort of been like like delegated to like the weird like bit part actor. Yeah, like, like he shows the- up in like a bunch of movies for like a minute, and I'm just like, this guy's fucking great. Why isn't he like? Fantastic. Oh, we're about to see him in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. In fact, he oh, just nice. the most recent or one of the most recent off camera with Sam Jones. And he shared the story about auditioning for Tarantino and then showing up on set. And Quentin tells him that he's the first, the only actor he's ever hired without ever having met him. So he just sent in self tape for Once Upon a hmm. Time. Shit. I, wait, I already got my tickets for Friday. I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait to see it either. It's when I think it like 
one of those bit parts that is so funny to me is he's like the dude in the wheelchair in Batman versus Superman yeah. during that courtroom scene. <laughs> it's just like, why is the like? I don't know how that happens. It's just so strange that he has, yeah. like you said, the, some of those like weird bit roles. He had this like weird stint where he was in like every Warner Brothers movie, <laughs> like every <laughs> single one. I, I I think I think he was in Batman versus Superman because he was friends with Affleck because of Argo. Mm-hmm. Oh right, yeah, that makes sense. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure they were just like, we need a someone that's like really good for this role. Yeah, I mean, True Detective was spectacular. Mm. I, I, yeah, he's he's great in True Detective. I don't, I don't know who I would replace Steve with because, like, I definitely like, um, when I when I like wrote the script, I had like I had prototypes for just sort of um, for both Matt and Karen. And and they were both kind of broken up. And like the, the I think the I think the movie is like much more interesting now because it, it definitely we tapped into something a little bit more macabre. Mm. But like I, I don't I don't remember who was my prototype for Steve. So it sounds like we're all kind of in agreement that he's uh, irreplaceable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Not that AJ, not that AJ is not either. But. Just replace AJ with Scott and Scott with AJ. I, I, right? I replaced Scoot McNeary with AJ. <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry, Scoot, you gotta go do Batman again. I got. Just like up the phone. I was like twenty one. I was like twenty one at the time, so I'm just like pulling these Hollywood deals, you know. <laughs> uh, got you, this guy. Right <laughs> I'd replace. I'd, I'd I'd replace you with the. Uh, what is his name? The the guy the guy who plays um damn this show fucking ended like two months ago and I have no idea. Uh give me give me give me a second. What the fuck is his name? He's in Dog Soldiers. Oh, um are you talking about Game of Thrones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I would replace you with Liam Cumming Cunningham. Uh-huh. Like, Mary and Liam Liam Cunningham with his like super like Strong accent. <laughs> like, wait a minute, why you two aren't related? Like, I there you go. My fucking basement. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you trap the devil. Yeah. All right. Dude, I really fucking love you in uh, uh, Dog Soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last question. <clears throat> if you trapped the devil in real life, where would you keep him? <laughs> I didn't know you were going to ask this question. <laughs> uh, the uh, the I trapped the devil VOD page. <laughs> he would never he would, have he, would, him, he would never get out of there. You would have him do marketing for I trapped the devil. <laughs> Nobody would ever hear about it, so no one would open it. <laughs> trap him on the internet. Wait, I think that already happened. Uh, no, I, I'd probably trap him in. Uh, I can't, I can't. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Just trap, trap him in my bedroom. I, I would trap boxers. <laughs> Did you say in your boxers? <laughs> I would trap him in either uh, a can of sardines or a Celine Dion CD. Wow. <laughs> Everyone like Dion asshole. Have you have you thought about this for a while, Nathan? Because those are very specific <laughs> answers. Just like just like champing at the bit to like make or do a remake. Like I got a great idea. <laughs> like I trap the devil, and then you just pop in Celine Dion. Oh. <laughs> like Enya. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know where I would trap the devil that nobody could get him. Um, trap him yeah. in church. <laughs> Bring, take him to church with you. He needs Jesus. 2019, man. Oh, goodness. Way too old for that shit. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I just think the basement behind like two like very small padlocks. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Nathan, he already came up with an answer to this question. He made an entire movie about this. <clears throat> they are really, they got like really it's like a documentary. about that. They're just like, how did they keep the devil behind this like padlock? <laughs> I'm just like, I. I don't know, man. Like, I've been thinking about that. <laughs> I'm like thinking about like character arcs. And they're like, there's fucking two locks on there. <laughs> <laughs> the funny part is, there's no, there's only one scene of CGI in the entire movie, and it's it's like the padlocks because like, because <laughs> like about halfway through the shoot, we just took the padlocks off the door, and like so like all of the stuff in the latter half of the movie, there were no padlocks on the door, and like I literally I would send the movie out for notes. And people would be like, yeah, that movie's really good, but like, where did the locks on the door go? <laughs> I'm like, why are you fucking focusing on that? <laughs> and like, I got it so many times that I like, I commissioned someone to like VFX, like, like padlocks on the door. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> so, Like, that's the only CGI shot. That's the only VFX in the entire movie is just like two locks on the door. And still, it wasn't a fucking enough. <laughs> <laughs> like, I did this for you, people. <laughs> I can't imagine oh like God. making a movie and putting like so much time and effort into it and then releasing it and have to deal with like the internet because I'd totally be like you. I'd be like constantly searching like what are people saying about my movie now? Like I can't I can't imagine like that just is that's too much for me. game. It fucking drives me nuts. It's like it's like heroin, man. I get like really addicted to it. Like <laughs> like I just like read like every comment on like the YouTube trailer. And then, like, I'd be like, "Oh, I gotta fight this guy now!" Like, <laughs> like, don't do that! Like, don't! It's like, what do you mean I can't comment on every single comment? <laughs> That's one of those threads uh, up in the attic, connecting all the points of the devil. Just me, like, fighting with like randoms on the internet. <laughs> like, this like, guy really, just keeps really showing up, commenting on everything. It's like an eight-year-old in like, Kansas City who like popped on the internet and saw something. And was like, "This is stupid," <laughs> and then like fucks off, and then I'm just, like. <laughs> Well, you guy. <laughs> I have no he has idea. No what idea what he has wrought. Yeah, on my way to your house. <laughs> like show up and like kick his little ass, and it's like you called my indie movie stupid. Nine. It's like how many movies have you made, eight-year-old kid? <laughs> you letterbox user. Kids, kids like on TikTok. No, like the letterbox users are awesome. At least they're just like, oh well, you know, the cinematography didn't work for me, and like this movie's a black hole. It's actually kind of a shitty. And I'm like, all right, whatever. IMDb <laughs> is the worst. IMDb is like, IMDb is like, this movie sucks. This guy should fucking kill himself. Like, oh my god, <laughs> dude. There was like one dude. There was like a week, and I like I had a meltdown, and it was like I, I wasn't I wasn't used to like getting any sort of like attention on like social media, and like dude, I just had this dude pop into my fucking DMs. And he w- he was basically like, "Hey man, your your movie's dedicated to like your movie's like dedicated to somebody." At the end, and I was like, "Yeah," and 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 they were like, "Well, I'm good thing he, he it's like a good thing he died, so he didn't have to see this piece of Jesus shit." Jesus Christ! God. Oh my god! And I, I was like, "What the fuck, IMDb?" Like, <laughs> oh my god! And I was like, not used to it, and I was like, you know, I was about ready to go like guns akimbo on the fucking <laughs> like. That's a bad 2019. That's a real threat. I can't joke about that. Oh, but, uh, God. But, like, 
Yeah, you get like these fucking crazy messages from like random people who are imagine. just like, my dog is like freaking out over there. Peanut, stop. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what he's doing but like but yeah you get these like crazy messages from people that are just like oh man i hated your movie you should just kill yourself and shit like that it's died oh, down God. now now it's basically just like what this isn't scary now they all just assume we're dead why did they, <laughs> at this point you let him out <laughs> man, i'm excited I, for hulu to get a hold of it because then it's just like at least I know now that like the people that have seen it have like at least had to search it out or like rent it or at least go out of their way to pirate it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like when it hits Hulu, it's just like you know, like John Denver in fucking Idaho is gonna like pop on after watching NASCAR and be like, "Ooh, scary movie!" Play <laughs> <laughs> and you get like this like nuanced like like drama thriller movie. You're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I do not understand why people hate things as much as they do. Like, I can understand someone saying, this isn't my style. I didn't enjoy it. Like, not necessarily even talking about your movie, but just in general. I do not understand why people hate on things. I know. It's if it's just like, eh, it's, it's not my style. I, I okay. the sense of immediacy that people have and they're, they're spoiled with these days and their value of their time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They don't I, have to finish it. I'm going to Google it. I need it now. Like I want to watch a movie. I want to enjoy it. I want to have enjoyed it now, as opposed to I just spent 83 minutes and I didn't enjoy it as much. So it's a waste of my time. Now everybody needs to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really think that's what it is. No, so yeah, absolutely. I should kill himself. And the, of course, the anonymity <laughs> of the internet. Dad. It's crazy to think like you you have something like Twitter where you can literally just like tweet at any any of this any celebrity on there and be like hey you fucking suck dude that movie is terrible what's wrong with you like I don't know it's just it's crazy that you have that kind of access yeah and to anybody thanks big dick sixty seven I'll take all that <laughs> <laughs> I have a hard time with, I'm like I'm like a silent observer on Twitter like I'm on Twitter all the time but I don't really like post or like comment on things because I always just feel mm-hmm. like I'm like. Do, is my like opinion really like does it really merit like going out of my way to just like put this out into the open mm-hmm. like yesterday I, yesterday people were fighting over tarantino and i was about to be like but and then it's just like ah, i could just Forget not it. like i could just not do yeah. that like whatever yeah, and have a great day and so i just, exactly. yeah and so i just continue to like refresh like looking up i trapped the devil <laughs> basically david simon and scott weinberg <laughs> someone's like i are here movie can i buy amazon i'm like yeah you can do f- go for it like that's like my interaction for the day like, replies it's just like replying to like a bunch of randoms like telling them to actually like watch my movie like, please watch this and like asking for screener links <laughs> please, i live in the moon oh man well we are right there with you. We want as many people to watch I Trap the Devil as possible. Truth. Hopefully with, with yeah. the right expectations. And if you don't like the movie, for the love of God, do not track these people down and tell them to kill themselves because we want more movies from you pe- from you guys. <laughs> you can't because I'm dated to it now. Like, just know you're not hurting my feelings. It's like, just just enjoy things. And if you don't enjoy things, go move on and find something that you actually do enjoy. And, and right. you know, if you hate something, then, um, you know, shut up. Like, I mean, honestly, that's the yeah. thing. Like, it's it's like if you dislike something, that's fine. If you want to have a constructive conversation, that's one thing. But just like going and shitting on things on the internet, like, please don't do that. Go, go play on the face. Your skin. It'll change everything. Yeah. 
Uh, sometimes people are the worst. <clears throat> All right. So speaking of where people can find the movie, uh, where can where can people find I Trap the Devil? Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's out. It came out already. Yes, but on what platforms? There's um, a game park near me, and there's a guy who's a trunk and a Toyota Corolla as gold. <laughs> And it's filled with uh, there at the corner of Memorial and Candler. Um, you, you can get it in Germany, I guess. <laughs> this is, I think Nathan was prompting you off for the shameless self-promotion part yes. of the podcast, but but I love that you guys went this direction with it. I Trap the Devil is now on uh, VOD and on demand. It'll be on Hulu on Friday, June twenty or July twenty sixth, <laughs> and then on DVD and Blu-ray via Scream Factory on August twentieth. I'm very excited in my Instagram bio. There's now a hyperlink to a torrent thread. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be so disappointed if there uh, isn't really one there. Hey, man, I pirated your movie. It sucks. <laughs> Thanks. My time. Thanks, guys. Die. Now I'm going to double down now. I'm just like my movie. My next movie is going to have less dialogue and less is going to happen. And it's going to be 120 minutes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, like I, I did this for you, Damien. <laughs> the next one's going to be a four hour epic. The devil trapped me. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just going to be Yakov Smirnoff. Uh, <laughs> me and my DP were like, we like contemplated writing like a prequel about like Steve going to Thailand and like, <laughs> Trapping the devil and having it be like a totally different genre, but like a prequel. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. Uh, Amazing car. Yeah, but it's Liam Cunningham and not you. <laughs> this is he hates to break it to you right now, but this is actually a sequel. Uh, I love it. We're still waiting for that porn parody. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like a Corey Feldman joke. <laughs> oh, back to Corey Feldman real fit. My, my favorite Corey Feldman video is him getting owned by Dick Miller in an outtake on the Burbs. Oh yes. yes. Oh my God, it's brilliant. Shut the so fuck good. Up. <laughs> uh, we're trying to act here. <laughs> oh, Dick Miller. Oh man. Uh, R.I.P. Yeah. That's sad. Dick Miller's the best. Truth. Yeah. All right. Well, on that sad note. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I have a debilitating uh, disease. <laughs> what? I'm joking. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm happy and healthy. Uh, uh, yeah. So, where it the people who are not going to just spew hate? Uh, where do you want people to find you on the internet, on social mm-hmm. medias, and what have you? Uh, find me at Josh Lobo. <laughs> I am I, I am Josh Lobo on on Twitter. Um, yeah, you'll. It's basically just like all gifts. That's, that's, <laughs> like, that's all it is. That's, that's, how, I, that's how I communicate. Yeah, hang in there. <laughs> that's very inspirational. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and just Scott Poythers. You, I'm on all of them besides Facebook. Don't go to my Facebook. That's weird. <laughs> I'm, I'm the same way. My Facebook is and me on Facebook shut down I, to I, to I, the public. My friend who's like. I, I, you know that face app thing where you like make yourself look older. Oh, I like my my friend is um, he, he's like forty years old and he he's he weighs like a hundred pounds more than I do. 
and he face tapped himself. And I just like thought it was funny, so I made it my profile picture. <laughs> oh, that explains I, like, that. I would like get all of these like messages from like people I went to high school with, and they were like, "Wow, a beard looks good on you." <laughs> and I'm like, "What the fuck? Like, <laughs> uh, that's not me at all." I wonder what that picture was. I was like, "Who yeah. is?" Yes, yeah, this is my like yeah, but, favorite new filmmaker. I'm like, I, I guess I gotta look this guy up on Letterboxd. I've changed a lot <laughs> the last three months. But, <laughs> but yeah, people were just like, wow, the beard looks good on you. I'm like, that's not me. <laughs> yeah. Kiss my ass for in the first place. Please buy my movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right. God. Well. <clears throat> All right. Eric, where do you want people to find you? Uh, I don't anymore after this. Um, but if you're so inclined to find me, you can find me on uh, Twitter at the Chimerican, on Instagram at Chimerican Reviews, and on Letterboxd at Eric J A Y. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at the Gargoyle Podcast, on Twitter at Gargoyle Podcast. And on Letterboxd at The Gargoyle. Uh, and if you enjoyed this episode, um, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for The Gargoyle. That's G-A-R-G-Y-L-E because it's a gargoyle wearing an Argyle sweater. Because puns are fun. Um, all right, Josh, Scott, thank you so much for uh, for this. This has been an absolute blast. And we, honest to God, have been looking forward to this for the last three months. Yeah. And, like we, we finally got it to I know. Out. Yeah, just every time that we would run into each other at the film fest, just like, all right, we're we recording now. I, no, we have this other thing. All right, <laughs> now, no, now we have this other thing, and yeah. So we I'm, really appreciate your support of the film, and yeah, I mean your enthusiasm and your um, and friendship, honestly, more than anything. So thank, Aww, you. thank you, we appreciate that. Included on here, I'm glad. I, I have this, like weird problem where like someone will text me and I'll be like, oh, I'll reply to that, and like two weeks later, I like I'm like, oh, fuck, I need to reply to this. Oh yeah, I do that all the time. Nathan <laughs> can attest to that. You <laughs> pick up conversations like right where they left off, and everyone's like, where the fuck did you go? Like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. All right, guys, thank you, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Both. Yeah, thank thank you. This genuinely has been an absolute blast. So yes. so love talking to y'all. And I say this to all the guests, pretty much every single guest that we've had. Yes. I don't think that we've had, except for that one we, guy that we hated. There there's been well, just kidding. There's been one sort guest of. that we haven't said this to. Sorry, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> almost the, the two of you have a standing invite anytime <clears throat> that you want to be back on the podcast to talk about either projects that you're working on or just to shoot the shit about movies. Um, starting in September, we're doing our Halloween coverage because we do two full months of it. And this year's theme is going to be uh, horror movies that we're ashamed to say that we've never seen before and that we're bad horror movie geeks. Uh, so if you want to come on and talk about your own embarrassment of movies you've not seen, please, please do that. Or, you know, just whenever. You've I'll never seen Pulp Fiction. Whoa. We're, you're if gonna have to true. come back and talk about that. Ah, uh, gotcha, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that that should be everything that we do. It's like, yeah, we haven't seen this movie. Just kidding, we actually have. No, I haven't. <laughs> now I don't know what to believe. <laughs> I, yeah, I tell people that, and they're like, "What?" And now I'm just not watching it because I think just it's so you funny. could, yeah, just yeah. so it could be a story. He's never he's, gonna fucking watch it. He's got Pulp Fiction trapped in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He has he has the the Blu-ray just like in a box somewhere that he's like I refuse to open this. I bought this for four ninety nine Best Buy. In this like big tub of just like random Blu-rays. Like someone buy this shit. <laughs> oh, this one. Yeah. He's got one of the steel books in a gimp suit just sitting there, just waiting. 
I promise <laughs> you, our movie will be on DVD, on Blu-ray and DVD. It'll be at all Walmarts near you <laughs> for five ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Scream, I, it's nice Scream Factory, which makes it like way more legit than. That's true. true. Everyone else in their blue in their Blu-ray you got, a, you got a Scream Factory release. That's like I'm more excited about that than anything. Like, like I made a movie, got a release. Hell yeah! Like I just get to put it on my shelf. <laughs> I buy all of their collector's editions, and I never watch almost any of them. I'm just like I, I'm like I'm like addicted to it. Like they'll announce one, I'll just like immediately buy it. Shows up, and I'm like, oh hell yeah! Like cat people. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to eventually never watch this movie. Put it on the shelf, and like a couple years later, I like. Glistens. Yeah, my girlfriend comes by. And she's like, "Why are all these movies still like in their wrapper?" And I'm just like, "Uh, <laughs> they're there." Yeah, spent thirty nine dollars but... on this. Kind of like cured like cancer by now. I, I feel very seen by this. Uh, <laughs> these comments. <laughs> it, the shitty part is it like it evolves too between like like I the other. I, I don't know why I just like woke up the other day or a couple months ago. I had to buy like a like a Neo from the Matrix hot toy, <laughs> and it like shows up in this like box. And my and my girlfriend is just like, "What is that?" And I'm just like, uh, "Don't worry about it, honey." <laughs> <laughs> and like, and, and then she like starts googling. She's like, "This thing's like two hundred dollars." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And like, I, I haven't opened it. I just like put it in my closet and was like, "I just need this." Like, I don't. <laughs> like, it's like an emotional support dog, but like. <laughs> See, first it was Blu-rays, then it was Mondo posters, and now it's fucking hot toys and like suit. I don't know what it's gonna be. Soon it's gonna be like Gucci, like leather bags or something. Like, no, no, no! This is I actually what I what I trapped the devil is about. I say you need to let go of. <laughs> He's had a lot of shit in his house. This, really, this entire episode is just an early intervention. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's been it for this episode of the Gargoyle Podcast. I'm Nathan, a.k.a. the Gargoyle. And I'm Eric, a.k.a. the Chimerican. And once again, thank you so much, Poitras and Lobo. Thank you. I hope you retain your listeners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we hope that with every episode. My Twitter is I am Josh Lobo. If you send your people, send your people my way. <laughs> our, our goal is just by the end of every episode to see how many people we can lose. Yeah. <laughs> I have negative four listeners. <laughs> They're actually sending the sound back out of their ears. How is that even possible? Oh, man. Thank you for having us, guys. Yeah. Right. Bye. We will Bye. release you now. <laughs> All right. Poyther's out. Bye, guys. See ya. See ya.